The previous Mishnah taught that in honor of the Simchas Beis Hashe'eva, they would light the massive golden candelabras which are hanging in the Ezras Noshim, in the outer courtyard outside of the Beis HaMikdash, and there was a huge amount of oil. There were four bowls on each candelabra, and in each bowl there were 30 log of oil, which is a massive amount of oil, and so relatively thick wicks were needed. And the Mishnah says that from the worn-out trousers of the Kohanim, and from the worn-out belts, from those things they would tear part of the material in order to get wicks, and with those wicks they would light the candle, they would light the candelabras in those massive bowls of oil. This was considered to be a Beis HaMikdosh need, so even though the trousers and the belts were designated for the Beis HaMikdosh, they could be used for this, even though it's not a service itself, it is certainly related to the Beis HaMikdosh service, and so wicks can be made from the old trousers and the old belts. And as the previous Mishnah taught, the candelabras were absolutely massive, and if the wicks were very large, so the light spread across the entire Yerushalayim. If you think about it, the Beis HaMikdosh is on a mountain, and as well as that, the actual candelabras were extremely tall. They were 50 amas high. And the Mishnah says, There wasn't one courtyard in the entire city of Yerushalayim which wasn't lit up by the light of the Beis HaSheva as a result of these massive golden candelabras. Mishnah Dalad, Chassidim Vanshi Maisa, very pious people and people of great deeds, would dance in front of the people, with torches of light in their hands, they would juggle, they would say in front of all the people, words of song and praises, they would sing songs about how praiseworthy one who doesn't sin is, and even somebody who sinned but he did Teshuvah, and now he is in a good state. So they were praising very good people, and they would sing praises to Hashem. Now most of the people would be watching, only the greatest people, they would be the ones who were dancing in front of everybody. The Halavim and the Levim, whose job it was to play instruments and sing, so they would have Bechinoyres, with harps of in a volume. There's another type of harp, a smaller harp of Mitzultayim, symbols of Achatzeitzreis, trumpets, Uvichlishirble Mispar, and musical instruments without number. There was no limit, there were countless instruments there. They were standing on the 15 steps going down from the courtyard, the main courtyard of the Beis HaMikdash, to the outer courtyard, the Ezas Noshim. That's where the Nevi'im would stand and play instruments. And the reason why there were 15 there was They correspond to the 15 chapters in Tehillim, which begin with the words Shir Hamalis, the song of the steps. That on those steps the Levian would stand with their instruments and sing Shira and sing song to Hashem. Now in general, on a regular day when the when the Levian would sing, they wouldn't do it on these steps. But specifically at the Simchas Beis Eva, in the midst of all of the rejoicing, they would sing and play instruments on those steps. And two Kanim would stand at the upper gate. This is referring to Shah Nikonar. The reason why the here it's called the upper gate is because it was higher than the Ezra's Noshim. The Bishamidus was built on a mountain, and the Ezra's Yisrael was higher up than the Ezra's Noshim. So Sharanikna was one of the main gates through which one would enter into the Bishamikdosh. So at that point, the Kanim would stand, two Kanim would be standing over there. And they would have two trumpets in their hands. And Korah once the man who had the job of waking people up in the morning, 
and call upon the Kohanim and the Levim to start their service in the Beis HaMikdash. So he would call out, Tok'u! They would blow a Tekiah, a long blast, Veheiriu. They would blow a Teruah, lots of short blasts, Veheiriu, another Tekiah. And they would do this at dawn, at the beginning of the day. And this was a sign that they should now go and fill up the water with the golden jug from the Shleach spring. Because it's already the morning. So they've got time now, they're allowed to bring the carbon Tomid. And together with the carbon Tomid was the service of the Nisuchamayim, the pouring of the water on the Mizbeach. And al would be walking downwards from the entrance to the Ezra Sisrael. They'd be walking downwards towards the Ezra Noshim. Sirius, if they, when, when they reached the tenth step out of the fifteen steps, again they blew a Takiyah, Teruah Takiyah. Higula Zara, once they reached the floor of the Ezas Noshim, Tokuveiri Vasaku, they blew a Takiyah, Teruah, and Takiyah. And this time, the last Takiyah, Hayutoikin Vaholchin, they would continue that blow of the Takiyah, they would blow extra long blasts, Adshmagin Lashar Hayetzelam Mizrach, until they reached the gate which goes out towards the east, away from the Beit Hamikdash, towards Harabayas, and then further on to the Mei Shiloyach, to the water of the Shiloyach Spring. And once they reached the gate going out towards the east, they turned their faces towards the east, towards the Beis Hamikdash itself. And they declared, Our ancestors who were in this place during the era of the first Beis Hamikdash, many of them served Avodah they served idolatry, and some of them served the sun. And there were people who would come to the Beis Hamikdash, and then they would turn their backs away from the Beis HaMikdosh, their backs were towards the Beis HaMikdosh of Hashem, and their faces were towards the east, and they would bow down towards the east to the sun, as the Poskin Yechezkel says. So they were sort of disgracing and rejecting the Beis HaMikdosh, and bowing down and serving the sun. So the people over there, when they reach the eastern gate, they declare the Onu, but us, we do not serve Avodah we only serve Hashem. Our eyes look up to Hashem. Rabbi Yehuda says a slightly different version. They would say a similar thing twice. They would say, We are to Hashem, meaning we bow down to Hashem. And our eyes look up to Hashem. And the Baratunura explains that Rabbi Yehuda's point was that they would thank Hashem for what they have had in the past, and what Hashem has given them in the past. That is represented by saying that we bow down to Hashem. And they continue to say that their eyes are looking up to Hashem, in hope for the future kindnesses of Hashem. So they have both those aspects, thanking Hashem for the past, and still hoping towards Hashem for the future. Mishnah here, because the Mishnah began to talk about the shofar blasts, the Mishnah goes slightly sidetracked to discuss the general blowing of the shofar in the Beit HaMikdash. And then in the second half of the Mishnah, we're going to see that there is an argument between the Tana of the previous Mishnah and the Tana of this Mishnah with regards to when the shofar was blown during the process of the Nisuchamayim. So the Mishnah says, In Perchsen Me'esim Achas Tekirz Ba'amikdash, there is never a day where less than 21 shofar blasts are sounded in the Beis HaMikdash. So that would be seven sets of Tekiyah Teruah Tekiyah. That is the minimum every single day. In Me'esifin Al Arboi Mishmaineh, and there are never more than 48 shofar blasts in one day. So on every day, on a regular day, there would be 21 blasts. Firstly, there would be three, meaning at the opening of the gates in the Beis HaMikdash, in the courtyard in the morning when the Karnin would enter there, 
to begin the day's service. So as soon as they opened the gates, the shofar would be sounded three times. It was sounded nine times, meaning three sets of takia trua takia. Whilst the morning carbon tomid was brought, and often on the Mizbeach, and Gemara explains that the Leviim would sing as the Karim Talmud was being offered. And they would always split the song into three parts. And at the beginning of each part, they would blow the shofar three times. Takiyah, Teruah, Takiyah. So that would come to nine. And they would do exactly the same thing in the afternoon Karim Talmud. The shofar was blown nine times whilst the Leviim was singing during the afternoon Karim Talmud. So that's three plus nine plus nine, which equals 21, which happens every single day. And on a day where a carbon musaf is brought, they would add another nine blasts whilst the nisuchayayin, the pouring of the wine on the mizbeach, was going on whilst the carbon musaf was being brought. So they would blow three sets of takiyah or takiyah. And that's regardless of how many animals or how many carbonates musaf were brought. Even if, let's say, you've got a Shabbos and a Rishchidesh which fall on the same day, so there would be two different carbonates musaf which are offered up. One is the carbon musaf of Shabbos, one would be the carbon musaf of Rishchidesh. But nevertheless, they would only ever have nine blasts for all of the carbonates musaf put together, regardless of how many carbonates musaf there were. Of Erev Shabbos and on Erev Shabbos, Friday afternoon, they would add another six blasts. And the truth is, it's very likely that this wasn't just done in the Beis Hamikdash, these six blasts. The Gemara explains that this was done in every city. Sholeish, they would blow the shofar three times, meaning one set of takiyah, trua takiyah, lehavtila to stop the people from working. And the truth is, this set of three were not necessarily done in one go, takiyah, trua takiyah. Rather, they would blow a takiyah, and that was to signal that those people working in the fields outside of the city should pack up and start returning to the city. Soon after that, they would blow the terua, which was a sign for people who were in the city but who have shops for them to start packing up and returning home. And then soon after that, they would blow the second takiyah, and that was to signal for people to make their last preparations and to light the Shabbos candles. So that was the first three, and then they would wait a little bit more, and just before Shabbos would come in, Vishalish, they would blow three blasts, this time they would do it all together, takiyah, trua, takiyah, and that was lahavdil bin kodesh lachol, to make a separation from the holy day of Shabbos and the weekday, and that was the signal that Shabbos had begun. Now, according to all of the calculations above, the Mishnah comes to the maximum number of shofar blasts which could be blown on one day. Erev Shabbos, Shabbosei Chechog. On Erev Shabbos, on a Friday, Friday afternoon, during Sukkot, there would be 48 blasts on that one day. And here we're going to see that this Mishnah argues on the previous Mishnah, on two points. One of the sets of shofar blasts which the previous Mishnah counted, this Mishnah will not count. And one of the sets of shofar blasts which the previous Mishnah did not count, this Mishnah will count. So begins the count of the Mishnah. There would be three shofar blasts for the opening of the gates of the Beis HaMikdash's courtyard, just like every day. And now the Mishnah starts to talk about the Nisuch and the shofar which was blown during that process. There were three shofar blasts which are blown by the upper gate, Shai Nikonar, by the two Karnim, and that agrees with the previous Mishnah. But now the Mishnah misses one out. The previous Mishnah said that they would blow the shofar on the tenth of the fifteen steps. This Mishnah misses that out because according to this Mishnah, they would not blow the shofar at that point. Right now the previous Mishnah said that they would blow the shofar when they reached the floor after the fifteen steps. When they reached the floor of the Ezas Noshem, they would blow the shofar and that would last until they reached the gate 
at the entrance to the Ezes Noshim, which would go out to Harabayas. And the mission over here agrees. It says, Three shofar blasts for the lower gate. That refers to the gate at the entrance of the Ezes Noshim. But this mission also agrees that they would start blowing that already from the beginning, when the Kranim would reach the beginning of the Ezes Noshim from the other side. So then you would have whoever was appointed to collect the water from the Shloach Spring. They would go and collect the water, return, and we learnt in the previous parak actually, it wasn't mentioned in the previous Mishnah, but in the previous parak we learnt that when they entered through the Shah Hamayim, which was one of the gates into the courtyard of the Besamikdash, they would blow the shofar. So this Mishnah agrees with that. Three shofar blasts for the filling up of the water. When they would come through the Shah Hamayim after having filled up the golden jug with water. And now the Mishnah adds one, which he, the, this Mishnah argues on the previous Mishnah, because according to this Mishnah, there are three extra shofar blasts when one was on top of the Mizbeach, and there is a discussion as to what this is referring to. According to some, it's referring to the Nisuchamayim itself, as that process of pouring the water was actually performed, so the shofar was blown another three times. Whereas according to others, it refers to the process which was done with the Agrovus on the side of the Mizbeach, when they would surround the Mizbeach. So the mission over here is saying that the shofar was blown then as well. And so, so far there have been five sets of of Tekiah Truah Tekiah. So that's 15 shofar blasts, alright? And as well as that, you have the regular shofar blasts of Teshel Tom Shal Shachar, nine whilst the Tomid of the morning was brought and offered up, but Teshel Tom Shal Ben Arabayim, nine shofar blasts while the Tomid of the afternoon was offered up. And the Levian would be singing their Shira. With Teshelam Musafin, there would be nine more shofar blasts for the Karbonis Musaf of Sukkot. And since it was Erev Shabbos, there would be Shalosh Havdos Amimelacha, nine to separate the people from performing work, to signal for them to pack up and return home, and to make their last preparations for Shabbos and to light the Shabbos candles, the Shalosh Havdos being Kodesh Lachol, and another three blasts to separate between Shabbos and the weekday, to signal the beginning of Shabbos. Mishnah the folks of this Mishnah are the Karbonis Musaf of Sukkot. And on the first day of Sukkot, there were 13 bulls, which are part of the carbon Musaf, two rams, and 14 sheep, which are all in their first year, and one goat. That was on the first day of Sukkot. On the rest of the days of Sukkot, there was exactly the same thing, just every day, there was one less bull. So on the second day, there would only be 12 bulls, on the third day, there would be only be 11, until the last day of Sukkot, the seventh day, Hishan Rabba, where there would only be seven bulls. Now, it's important to know that the Kohanim were split into 24 groups known as Mishmaros, and each mish- Mishmar would serve in the Beis HaMikdash for one week at a time, and there would be a rotation every week another Mishmar would serve in the Beis HaMikdash. So on average, most Mishmaros would serve in the Beis HaMikdash twice a year for a week each. Now, on the Sholish Regalim, although there would be a fixed Mishmar for the daily Karbanos, which are not connected to the base, to the Yom Tov itself, to the Karbanos Musaf, when it comes to the Korbanos Musaf of one of the Shalosh Regalim, Pesach, Shavuos, and Sukkos, all of the Mishmaris could come to the Beis HaMikdash, and they could all be part of the offering of the Korbanos Musaf. So the Mishnah discusses how the animals which were brought as Korbanos on Sukkos, how they split between the Mishmaris. If there were 24 Mishmaris, so for most of the days, there were more than 24 animals which were brought as Korbanos. On the first day, for example, there were 30 animals who were part of the Korban Musaf. So the mission begins, Yom Tov Rishon Shalachog, the first day of Sukkot, the first day of Yom Tov, Hoishom Shlisha Asar Parim, there were 13 bulls, the Elim Shinayim, two rams, the Sar Echad, and one goat. 
So altogether that is 16, and so the first 16 Mishmaros, they would each take care of one of those animals. So they would be left over over there, the 14 sheep, which are all in, the, in their first year, for the remaining 8 Mishmaros. So 14 sheep for 8 Mishmaros. On the first day, 6 of those 8 Mishmaros would bring, they would offer up and take care of 2 of two sheep, Vasha'ar and the remaining two Mishmaros, Echod Echod, they would both have one sheep each. Vasheni on the second day of Pesach, of Sukkos, so there would be one less bull, which means that when it comes to the animals other than the 14 sheep, there wouldn't be 16 animals, there would only be 15. So you would have nine Mishmaros remaining for the sheep, so nine Mishmaros for 14 sheep, Chamish Makhivin Shnaim Shnaim, five of the nine Mishmaros would bring two sheep each, Vashar and the remaining four Mishmaros, Echad Echad, they would bring one each, thus reaching 14 sheep. Bashlishi on the third day, there would only be 11 bulls, so those animals would only take 14 Mishmaros, and you would have another 10 remaining. So Arbomakhivin Shnaim Shnaim, four out of the 10 remaining Mishmaros would bring two sheep each, Vashar. And the other six Mishmaris, Echad Echad, would bring one sheep each. They would take care and offer that those sheep. Barvi on the fourth day, there would only be ten bulls, so there would be thirteen Mishmaris taking care of those animals, not the sheep, but the other animals. And so you've got eleven Mishmaris remaining with the sheep. Shalosh Makhivin Shnaim Shnaim, three of the Mishmaris would offer up two sheep each, Vashar Echad Echad, and the remaining eight Mishmaris would bring one of these sheep, which are all in their first year. Bachamishi on the fifth day, there would be nine bulls, so only twelve Mishmoros taking care of the other animals. So you're left with twelve taking care of the fourteen sheep. Shnaim Rakhivin Shnaim, two of those Mishmoros, two out of twelve would bring two sheep. Vasha'ar and the other ten, Echod Echod, they would each bring one sheep, thus reaching fourteen sheep. Bashishi on the sixth day, there were only eight bulls, so eleven Mishmaris taking care of those animals, you've got remaining thirteen, so Echod Makrishanayim, one out of those thirteen Mishmaris would bring two sheep, and Vashar, the other twelve, Echod Echod, they would each bring one, thus reaching fourteen, Bashvi'i, on the seventh and final day of Sukkot, so there would be seven bulls, which means that altogether you've got ten of the other animals, so ten Mishmaris take care of those, one animal each, and then you've got fourteen remaining Mishmaris for the fourteen sheep. So it comes out that on the seventh day on Shana Rabba, Kulon Shovin, all of the Mishmaris are equal. Every single one of the 24 Mishmaris brings one animal. They take care and offer up one animal. Now by Shemini on Shemini Atzeres, the pattern changed. The Korbanos Musaf of Shemini Atzeres is one bull, one ram, one goat, and seven sheep in their first year. So altogether there were only 10 Korbanos. And you've got 24 Mishmaros. So Chazula Pais, they go back to the regular system of the lottery, and how exactly they would do the lottery is explained in Masechus Yuma. But the point is they would use a lottery to decide which Mishmaros would be able to bring the Korbanos of the Korban Musaf of Shemini Atzeres. And the Mishnah says Kvar Golim. Just like the other two Shalosh Regalim, Pesach and Shavuos, where there were less than 24 Korbanos, and therefore anyway they had to use a lottery, so that was the same thing was done on Shemini Atzeres. Now in order to be as fair as possible, Omru they said, Mish Hikriv Parim Hayoim, whichever Mishmar took care and offered b- b- um, bulls today, Loyakiv Lemachai will not offer them up tomorrow. The maximum amount of bulls which were brought, which was on the first day of Sukkot, was 13. And there were 24 Mishmaris. So it was very possible to make sure that the biggest, largest animal which was brought as the Korban, which was considered the greatest honour, 
being the biggest carbon, so one particular Mishma would never be able to do that two days in a row. Or rather, they would go in a cycle, they would have a system. So, for example, on the first day, Mishmar number one, two, three, four, all the way until thirteen, the first thirteen Mishmaras, they would bring a bull. On the second day, the next twelve, so number fourteen, fifteen, etc., all the way until twenty-four, and Mishmar number one, they would bring the bulls. And then on the third day, there were eleven bulls, so Mishmar number two, three, four, etc., they would bring the bulls, and that's how the cycle would work in order to be as fair as possible.